Welcome back to the Tectonic Takes podcast. A little bit of a disclaimer. We usually try to keep it PG with our language here, but I'm pissed off. So I will try to self-censor myself. But in case your parents and you're watching with your children or listening to with your children, uh, I apologize in advance if I use a swear word here and there. But anyway, we're joined today with Danny from the L3 pod. How are you doing? For having me once again. Hold on, hold on. Let's try one more time. It was, oh, of course. Here we go. Um, good, man. Thanks for having me once again. Always a pleasure being here at Tectonic Takes. And I will, I'm glad you said disclaimer because um, I usually don't come from a PG podcast. <laughs> we're pretty uh, we're pretty out there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I will try my best not to drop any swear words. But if I do, I do apologize. Um, call my agency. They'll go ahead and square you away. Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasters and YouTubers such as HITC Sport and Urinating Tree who do swear a lot, who do the whole rage thing very well. I'm not that guy, but it, if it isn't usually apparent that I'm mad about a result, it will be in this podcast. <laughs> There's a time and place for it, and this is yeah. definitely the time for it. Yeah, and... This is not new territory for us as Quakes fans. Back to back losses to the Seattle Sounders and Vancouver Whitecaps mean it's time to face the music. Most likely, we're not making the playoffs. And this could have been a great year to make the playoffs because the last time the Sounders and Quakes made the playoffs in back to back seasons was 2005. That was Generation Three of Pokemon. We had George Bush as president. Like, it's a long time. Like, mm-hmm. and this will not be an in-depth breakdown of both games. They were carbon copies of each other. We saw two nearly identical, pitiful performances in the space of four days. So it would be a waste of everyone's time to try to go play by play, you know, with every single note I had for these games. And it's all about bracing for another year of playoffs, watching as a neutral from the sidelines or rooting for whoever LA Galaxy play against, whatever may happen. They may not make it, but... The vantage point will be more big picture. We're going to look at the remaining six games, think about what could be, you know, sort of benchmarks and expectations we set for the players to close the season. And we'll close up the podcast with uh, a bit of a uh, checkpoint, so to say, with we'll look at the squad and we'll think about what it might look like for 2022, who should go, who should stay, who has six games left to prove themselves, et cetera. Right. Any other opening thoughts, Danny? Yeah, man. I mean, same scenarios, Earthquakes fans, um, especially the new era. When I refer to new eras, when um, Quakes moved into a new stadium, uh, currently now PayPal Park. But I feel like since they since they've moved, it's just been a very inconsistent Quakes that we've been seeing. Um, they make a great run to um, great back to back performances, and then they kind of just defeated. Um, and we can use excuses back and forth all we want. Like the thing I kept on telling myself this morning and yesterday, I was seeing um, the Vancouver game was that this is the fourth or fourth game in ten days. Like mm-hmm. that's very demanding on the body. But at the same yeah. time, I, I'm thinking to myself, these are athletes. Like you are paid to perform week after week, game after game. So you're in top shape. You're an athlete. There's really no excuses for you to play with no heart with no like wanting to produce anything. And unfortunately this has been the case for the past, you know, 
definitely the case for this last two games. But even look back into it, the only reason we were kind of riding high is because Trophy, uh, Trophy Lopez scored several goals back to back, but we still lost versus. It's not sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable. You you have your best player of the week score three goals in one game, and you still lose it four to three. That's an issue. That's is yeah. a huge issue, and that's what's been going on with the earthquakes, not just this past month, not just this season, but for like the last decade. What's supposed to happen when you score a hat trick? Go ask the Vancouver Whitecaps because that's what they did to us. And yeah. it wasn't just the hat trick; they kept a clean sheet too. Mm-hmm. Like we can't do clean. We can't keep a clean sheet to save our damn lives. It's frustrating. And Ivan, it's I, harder to uh, do it in real life than it is with FIFA. I get that, but still <laughs> listen, I saw you on Wednesday. I yeah. saw you on Wednesday before the game versus Seattle. Yeah. And we're, we're just chatting. We're, you know, whatever. And then you asked me, what do you think is going to be the score for this game? And I'm like, dude, if we're lucky, we're going to get two, two. Yeah. Because if we're lucky, it, it was a minimum two goals scored. <laughs> yeah, and this this is the quicks. So you know they're gonna get scored on. I'm all. We're lucky if we'll get two two. Of course, a, dub, a one, We're lucky if you're gonna get one point. And I feel like that was the, for me anyways, that was the feeling like no quicks. There's no way they're gonna win this game. They just because we know the quicks. They win. They lose. Win. Lose. Great, amazing performance, and then horrible performance. And right now we're going through the horrible performance when the Quakes should really get their shit together already, especially towards the end of the season. And if you're really going to make that big, we'll get into it. But I'm like, dude, as a player, as an organization, if you want to prove uh, to the world, to the soccer community, that your coach is doing the right decision by staying in San Jose, if you're trying to bring all these players into San Jose to prove that San Jose is a worthwhile project, you have to perform. Mm-hmm. There's only so much we, Matias can come out there every week and say, oh, I'm not going. No one has coming from Liga MX. No, no international team has called me. I'm going to stay here. This is my project, blah, blah, blah. You need to perform like you want your coach to stay. And if that's not the case, if San Jose players are already done with Matias Almeida, you know, maybe it's time for it to to split. And it will suck because I don't see no team. I don't see no coach right now coming into San Jose and rebranding them they have to it needs to start from from it needs to be a complete rehaul of players and everybody in the organization if quakes want to like rebrand themselves and reestablish themselves as an actual competitive team in mls yep and this is the exact same conversation we've had several times throughout this podcast's short history we're going to go into the lineups starting with uh, the first game on Wednesday. And it was great to finally meet you in person, though. It was mm-hmm. just wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, of course, dude. Yeah. Um, for the Quakes lineup, they had JT Marcinkowski, Judson at right back, Nathan Osvaldo Alanis, and Lopez finishing up that back four. You had Eric Remedy and Jackson Ewell holding down the center midfield spots. You had Chofis, Carlos Fierro, and Shea Salinas. Uh, just underneath Benji Kikanovic in that front four. The changes from the prior game, yeah, Judson moved to right back, which took Abacasis out of the lineup, and Salinas and Fierro rejoined the starting lineup with Espinoza not in the 18 or 20 in this case, since there's nine players on the bench, due to an undisclosed injury at that time. Uh, use subs, we saw Kid Cal come on at halftime. We had Andy Rios and Chris Wondolowski 
come on along with Luciano Abacassi's on the 54th minute. And lastly, in the 69th minute, uh, Jack Scan made an appearance. Still no Ebobise, who remains out to this day. And along with Espinoza, there was no Tanner Beeson or Matt Bersano. So the big issue, of course, Judson at right back. Mm-hmm. Why against the Sounders? I don't understand why that was a good decision. Like, take your chances with Abacassis. You're essentially admitting at this point that he's been an unsuccessful transfer Abacassis. And as great as Judson is defensively, there's still limitations to what he can do simply due to his play style and his stature. Like, and his abilities, like, he's, it might as well have been Tommy Thompson there, like, defending against those wingers. Like, it's not, you're going to get a similar result. It, the problem with, with what I'm seeing here is that this case, um, it looks like the only explanation I have is Matias has no idea who, what combination, what to throw out there anymore. And that's the only, that's the only explanation I, I can obviously see yeah. on this, you know, is I think he was trying to savage something, especially on that game on Wednesday, making this, but there's, it's never a good chance. There's never a good sign when Chris Wondolowski is coming in, you know, at the beginning of the second half. Yeah. Like, that's not – Wando, we need to – as Earthquakes fans, we need to just take a step back. Wando's not the player who he was 10 years ago. This yeah. He's he's in the retiring – he's exiting. He's towards the end. Yes, he's a great 15-minute player towards the end. But even on the team uh, versus Sounders, he missed like two or three headers – Missed the target or in the headers that he did do, there was just weak straight to the goalkeeping. Yeah, he was hitting the target, but they weren't success. They weren't challenging uh, the Sounders that much. So I, I think is I think Wando's time is up. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately. Of, of course, he's uh, he's always going to be a part of the earthquakes. We're always going to love him. I, I can definitely see him him coming in. You know, with the B squad uh, during practices and stuff like that. He will he will be an excellent coach someday. But I think it's his time, and same thing with Shea Salinas, I think their time as earthquakes and as professional players, I think is about done. Yep, and while we look toward the end of an era for some of our Sounders earthquakes greats, uh, the Sounders, there seems to be no one in sight. Uh, yes, they came up short last year, uh, losing to the Columbus crew in the MLS Cup final, but they look to be aiming for another MLS Cup this season, and this is a squad that's going to help them do it, potentially. Stefan Fry in goal, Yamar Gomez-Andrade, Javier Arriaga, and Shane O'Neill in their back three. They had Kellen Rowe and Jimmy Medranda as their wingbacks. Danny Leva and Joshua Tencio in their midfield with a front three of Christian Roldan, Raul Ruiz Diaz, and Freddie Montero. And they used a couple subs at halftime, and uh, Nuhu Tolo came on for Arriaga. Leo Chu came on for Rui Diaz for an injury-related substitution. Uh, Joao Paulo as well came on in halftime for Atencio. And then later in the game, we saw Abdullah Sissoko and Alex Roldan come in it's just to clean up at that point. Uh, notable absences, of course, still know Jordan Morris because of his ACL injury. Uh, Jordi Bellum as well had an ACL tear. Nicholas Aldera recovering from right knee surgery and Nicola Benizet and Brad Smith as well. So both the Sounders and the Whitecaps, uh, they're missing some key players, but this is the depth that I wish we could somehow 
have with the San Jose yeah. Earthquakes, but it just hasn't happened in my time supporting San Jose Earthquakes. Like, this is a well-constructed squad. Say well, uh, what you want about MLS's salary cap and the designated players and all that, but Sounders look like they could have three, four, maybe five designated players as well as several other solid players on their team. No, absolutely. And I think that's always been, I think you just hit the nail in the head with that one, is that Quakes doesn't have that in-depth. We we might have a somewhat competitive um, starting uh, squad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once it comes doing, you know, doing substitutions and stuff, they're not there. And unfortunately, like with Kate Cowell, we, we all saw the potential there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, great story, you know, great story for him. 17, 16, 17 year old kid from, from the area, um, playing, mm-hmm. you know, playing, making the all-stars, whatever, but he's not there. He's not there. You can tell that he's not ready to be in, in the number one squad. Maybe he does have to go back to, to the academies and to the reserve. Cause you can tell that he, the skill is there, the talent is there, but he doesn't know how to own it yet. The over-reliance on the young Kate Cowell, who is mm-hmm. still in his teens, Benji Kukanovich, a first-year player out of college, yeah. and Chofis, a first-year player in MLS. When you have several players in the squad with MLS experience and mm-hmm. with other experience to show for, and they're not getting the job done. Um, and Nathan as well, he's in a bad run of form too. I yeah. think whatever magic that he brought that gave the Quakes some sort of second win in the middle of the season, that win has evaporated. Yeah. And Sounders technically won 4-0 because we'll go through the goals. Rui Diaz in the 25th minute. Rui Diaz from the penalty spot in the 41st minute earned by Roldan. Uh, Christian Roldan scored for himself in the 51st minute, you know, in the 49th minute. In the 51st minute, we score, but not really because it's a Shane O'Neill own goal. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by the Sounders, you know, one four zero because they gave us yeah. one there. Yeah. Uh, technically, it was one of those own goals. I don't think O'Neill could have done too much about it. It was probably going to be going in anyway. Yeah, just wrong place, right place, wrong result. <laughs> and for the stats, both sides had nine shots. Sounders outshot Quakes five three on target, and then this is where things start to get crazy. So the Quakes outpossessed the Sounders 56%, and who effing cares? Like, yeah. It, clearly, possession means nothing with the Quakes, uh, the way they've been playing. Passing accuracy, 82% in Quakes, 78% Sounders. Uh, Sounders created a chance. Uh, Quakes didn't. And here's another crazy one. Quakes had 10 corners. Dude. Sounders had two. What? What was it like in the 60th or 70th minute? The Quakes had legit four or five back to back corners yeah. over and over and not being able to create anything or even challenge the goalkeeper for anything, dude. And 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 I hate this. It looks like the Quakes went back to the short pass corners. I hate that technique with the short pass. It doesn't really do yeah. anything. The yeah. thing is, the Quakes, they're no. Everybody knows how to play the Quakes with the man-to-man marking. They know what play. Quakes are constantly doing this over and over. As They can attack you from the middle, and then what they do, they're going to pass to somebody on the wing to try to center it rather than taking that shot over and over. As a player, as any professional team, you're going to look at the tapes. You're going to look at what they're doing. You're going to see what they're creating, and you're going to shut it down. There was 
there's a reason why trophies you're not going to hear cho- anything from trophies for the rest of the season because now yes trophies score what five goals in two games amazing amazing yeah. amazing fact but don't you think nobody else is ever going to realize how to stop them they're going to realize what's going to happen they're going to prevent it they're going to give it to somebody with a left with a weak foot and that's what exactly what's going on with weak shots at, over and over that are not on target or just not testing the goalkeeper period yeah, so if there was a prize for wasting possession and wasting uh, set pieces, congratulations, Quakes. You can put that next to your wooden spoons. Um, yellow cards. Judson got one minutes after the goal. He was picked on all game. And, you know, from a tactical standpoint, Brian Schmetzer did his homework, and he, he made the right call there. R- Roldan made his life hell. So mm-hmm. good, good on the Sounders. Uh, Rui Diaz also picked up a yellow card along with Alex Roldan. It was kind of cool uh, seeing the brothers substitute for each other at the end. Yeah. Like even in the uh, flames of chaos that, uh, you know, Sounders had set on PayPal Park by beating us pretty badly. It's like, okay, cool. Like this is a nice story still. And it's kind of like the Boateng brothers where Jerome represents Germany and Kevin Prince represents Ghana. You have Christian Roldan for the USA and Alex Roldan for El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's yeah, a, go ahead. that's a, no, I was gonna say that's a that's a very interesting story, like the brothers and who they're choosing to represent it internationally. I thought that was super super cool story. But yeah, this is a fun facts. Those are just fun facts. Um, uh, about the about the the Sounders, but yeah, going back to the possession, um, the possession and the set pieces and stuff. It's just. Yeah, young midfield. What, what I mean, with possession, what are we gonna do, man? With the passing accuracy, you're is again, it's been the thing that we've been talking about since like I don't know, April maybe, because I think I had this conversation with somebody, and I know Carlos has come in, also, our friend Carlos Justice has come in to Tectonic Takes and said, again, another story of Quakes creating opportunities. But not having that finisher, not having not having that kill instinct with nobody, and that's when every time I see this type of stats of like possession, header, all this stuff, it's just yeah, we can create plays, but we don't have that person. Oh, someone in that team doesn't have that confidence. It looked like Chofi was gonna start getting that confidence as far as being the finisher and being the executor of plays, but. That's only one person in the, you know, it's only one person in a team of 22, 23 people. You yep. need more than that. Exactly. And the midfield, like the Quakes should have had more success building up from the midfield. And when you look at the Sounders four midfielders there, yeah, Kellen Rowe and Jimmy Medronda, like you should not be scared of those wingbacks. Uh, if the Sounders had a full strength starting 11, and if they were still the stars, which they may well be, like that's probably the least threatening part of their team. Granted, it's still a very threatening team. Mm-hmm. And then rather than having the likes of Joao Paulo start this game, you had two of their homegrown players, Daniel Leva and Joshua Tensio. And granted, they've done pretty well for themselves this season, but they're still very inexperienced. Like you, you, when you have Jackson Ewell and Eric Remedy, like, they should look at this as an opportunity to express themselves more and be, have more of an influence on this game. And whatever dark cloud is hovering over Jackson Yule since the Olympics qualifying is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the first goal came from a bad giveaway. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz was going to miss that opportunity. He had the beating of Alanis one-on-one. Alanis maybe could have done better, but at the same time, like we know Alanis, you know, in those track track face-offs, like he's going to come second best at times. And the two goals Ruiz Diaz got from this game, uh, he p- puts him in a good spot to potentially win the golden boot. Uh, his main competitors are Ola Kamara from DC United and Daniel Shallowy from Sporting Kansas City. Uh, next up on this game, I noted that, so halftime, we saw KCAL come in and Rui Diaz had to come off. So at that point, it was still 2-0. Sounds like earthquakes should have just been focused at the back. And once you deal with the balls that Sounders would send your way, build up your attacks more effectively so that Cade Cal can use his fresh legs while they're still fresh in that first 10, 15 minutes to maybe make it 2-1. But instead, Christian Roldan, who has been paying the ass for the Quakes defense the whole game, he finally got on the score sheet himself and it made it 3-0. At that point, it was game over. Like There's no way Quakes were going to score three more goals in that half without conceding a fourth potentially. But, but let me ask you this, dude. Do you see Quakes is not a defensive team though? Like for them to do a counter attack like that, that defense has been horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally with KCAL's speed, body, whatever, because the kid is fast, that could have easily been great opportunities for counter counter attacks. Um, because Quakes were able to do uh to steal uh, balls away from and not and oh sorry and stop chances for the Sanders on that game, but they it's just utilizing or maybe KCAL not having that again, not having that experience, not having that discipline, not having that um um I don't know, not having the experience. I think is the best way of how do you be how to utilize the skills. Because, yeah, they should have just dropped back and played the counter. At least to score one and then split the um, split the, uh, put the split the score in half and at least savage one point or something. But, unfortunately, yeah, we didn't see the first goal from the Quakes until it was 3-0. And by that time, yeah. I mean, I had, I had friends in the stadium. Um, I had people from, like, other podcasts who just, they left. They left in the 60th minute. They left the stadium because by right. that time, before even the third goal came in, within the first five minutes of that, of the second half, you saw Quakes playing with no heart, no reason, no sense of urgency, no confidence. They were already defeated. They were they were ready not to call it a day halftime. Um, so yeah. um, they were ready to throw in the towel. So, like, it sucks as a fan – you're there, you're watching, you're cheering, you're waiting for magic. But when you're seeing your team just not feeling Respond. it, not feeling the vibe, yeah, it's kind of like, then what the hell am I even doing here? Yeah. Like, for my, in my personal um, perspective, you know, like, what the hell am I even doing here until 9.30 on a Wednesday when I have to for nothing? Like, I have nothing to show for why I even celebrated the night before. So it, it, it sucks, man. It sucks. Of course, we want to think of the you know best intents for 
for this team. But at the same time, it's like, what what am I even doing here? Why why should we if you guys don't care in the field, why should we care? Yeah. You know, and and it sucks because I'm like, well, at first I'm like, maybe I won't renew my my season tickets for next year since you didn't see anything. They came back, they give you some hope. You know, Nathan comes in half season and, you know, you, you have all this like momentum. Like, all right, I, there's something here. I'm going a, I'm to a go ahead and do it. And now I'm like, well, shoot, I wish I was just cancel them because there's no heart. And I feel like there's going to be major changes and we'll get to this in a bit. I feel like there's going to be major changes um, in the off season, And I feel like quicks are going to, and this is just a cop off. But I feel like Quakes are going to be using the next season or two as a rebuild. Yeah, and that's just the cycle it goes. If this current current core isn't getting the job done, and it sucks being a fan of a team that feels like they go through rebuild every three or four seasons, but what else can you do? You, mm-hmm. you ha- if you're not able to fix what you have, you have to blow it up. Uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, Quakes might do something. Unprecedented in the last six games, but I don't see it. Uh, Slim and none. Slim and none. Yeah. So for the player of the match, uh, I didn't feel feel was appropriate given the not just the result, but the way that they lost and what it meant to the season and how much more important it made the Whitecaps game, which made the performance against the Whitecaps even more atrocious in comparison mm-hmm. uh i didn't feel like doing my usual i pick three or four players i make a poll and i tweet it and we see who the fans choose as the player of the game it was very it, slim yeah. picking yeah it was super slim pickings uh the only person that i felt like had heart in that game was benji kikanovich he was trying but it was worrisome that he was the most creative player in this game and We've got to face the music. We don't have Ibo Bise for a while, so we can't rely on his talent. We didn't have Espinoza, but got to have a plan B, maybe a plan C. And this team doesn't even have a feasible plan A in these types yeah. of games. Um, true player of the match came down to Rui Diaz and Roldan. I'm curious, who would you lean toward, Danny? Um, I think Raul. You think Rui yeah. is? Okay. I, I think Rui was more of a, a player for this one. I think he was just he he just locked in on that t- on, on the Quakes. So I feel like he was more of a player game for me. Perhaps a tectonic take for me then, but I'm gonna go with Christian Roldan because from the vibe work so far this season, he's had to take a much bigger responsibility without Nicola Lodero, and he's shouldered it, and he's risen to that challenge. And in this particular game, almost every attack went through Roldan. He was beating defenders one-on-one. He was making sharp passes to put the ball in dangerous positions for the Sounders. Uh, he won the penalty that Rui Diaz scored, and he scored on his own. So mm. you really could go either way, but I'm yeah. going to go with Roldan there. And, and and I yeah. guess you're right, you because you're basing the tiebreak the tiebreaker now on not just on this performance on on the midweek, but overall season long, it's been constant consistency with him. Maybe it's been unfair for Rui Diaz because he's already set the bar high for himself for like, okay, he scores 20 goals a season. Okay, that's just Rui Diaz. Whereas yeah, Roldan started this season 
or like U- U.S. men's national team fans are thinking, oh, why do we have to see R- Roldan and Sebastian Leggett on our roster? They're MLS yeah. players. They're trash. But he's gone better. And, you know, Leggett as well, you know, I don't want to give a LA Galaxy player, even if he's from the Bay Area, too much credit. But he's improved as well. But sticking with Roldan, yeah. he's proven himself for club and country. So mm-hmm. I think both of them have been fantastic. And if they get their players back by the playoffs, you know, it's going to be scary once again Absolutely. for the rest of the league. Uh, so any final thoughts on the Sounders or we can move on to the Whitecaps? I think we can move on, but I think yeah. like you said earlier, so I think last year, last cup left a bad taste in their mouth, especially yeah. versus the crew. Um, so I think they're just making a run, making showing that it's, it's not a fluke. And you know what? But the Sanders, it hasn't been a fluke. It's been such a great organization because they've been around for like what ten years already, yeah. or maybe a little bit more. I don't think um, they've missed the playoffs ever. They haven't. Yeah, it's been one of their biggest. You know, uh, if maybe their only like moral victory were that they can rest their heads on in the years that they don't succeed is that we're always in the hunt. We're always in the playoffs. Like, well, can your team say that? Nope. And granted, they do have that benefit of. Well, there's been a dozen or so teams at least that have been around longer than you, Sounders, but still. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and they're one of those teams, there are very few teams from MLS that have international respect. Oh, yeah. You know? So, like, I know League IMX teams, like, they hear Sanders and they're like, okay, well, yeah, we need to step it up. Same thing, like, when they hear LAFC, LA Galaxy, Atlanta, even though they've been kind of, eh. Yeah, um, Atlanta but- prior to the last season and a half. Yeah, um, but yeah, they've been, you know, Sander, Sander, or both those teams in the Pacific Northwest have been respectable outside MLS also, and they always been a threat with any MLS team. Are you so. referring to Sounders and Timbers or Sounders yeah. and Whitecaps? No, no, Timbers. Yeah, Whitecaps are kind of joining the party, but Timbers and Sounders have been... They, they've been constant with forces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. Thank goodness we didn't play the Timbers this week. They would have scored a minimum of four goals. <laughs> it, would be, it would have been one of those 7-0 defeats again, which would have been just a perfect way to end the season. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule. Thank goodness we don't play the Timbers again. Thank goodness we don't play Kansas City or mm-hmm. Rapids again. Thank goodness we didn't play the Revolution this year. Like, yeah, <laughs> we dodged some bullets. Absolutely. Um, now let's take a look at the lineup for this game. So... I'm not going to read the whole lineup for this game. I'll just say that Abakasi rejoined the starting 11. Thankfully, moving Jitson back to his natural position. Ewell went back to Cam. Uh, Christian Espinoza was back in the starting 11. So, Fierro and Salinas back to the bench. Based on how badly things went for the Sounders, looking at this lineup, I think fans were thinking, well, if we're going to get the crucial three points that we need to keep our season alive, this is probably the group to do it, given who's available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, that's not how it went. But continue. No, I was going to say, no, absolutely. I think um, we definitely, like Carlos Fierro, Carlos Fierro wasn't doing much on that mid, midweek team. No surprise, he came off um, at halftime. So, you know, we saw the adjustments. Yes, to give Quake some credit, there was a span on the midweek game of about 10 minutes on the second half where they looked a little more challenging. They look like the quakes that we usually see 
you know, be more dominant, more a little bit more aggressive, but still not finishing anything. So it it, it seemed like a more promising starting eleven, but still it obviously wasn't it wasn't enough. Yeah. We saw Shay Salinas come on at halftime for Jitson. Probably you had a similar reaction as you did when Wondolowski came on pretty early like, in the second half. Like, why, bro? Why? Yeah. And if you're taking off Jitson at halftime, then there's a bigger problem. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Fierro, 63rd minute, along with essentially four subs at once. It was yeah. Wando, Fierro, Cowell, and Rios. And I think that's just Almeida saying, okay, this is our season. This is our best attackers we have. Gotta get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, looking at the bench, I mean, Tommy Thompson, he has played center attacking midfielder earlier in his career. And Jack Scan, potentially, but that's it. Like, there's nothing else Almeida could have done from yeah. a substitution standpoint. And – Vancouver Whitecaps, they're currently coached by Vanny Sartini, who's an interim coach. Their mm-hmm. lineup consists of Maxime Cripeau, uh, currently the number two goalkeeper for the Canada national team, and our old friend Flo Youngworth in a back three, along with Andy Rose and Jake Nerwinski. They have wingbacks of Christian Dahomey and Bruno Gaspar, and their midfield consists of Russell Tiber and Leonard Owusu. Their center attacking midfielder was their new acquisition, Ryan Gold, uh, the Scottish uh, midfield maestro. And up top, you had Brian White and David Sacedo. So prior to this game, did you have an opinion on Brian White? I, I really didn't. It wasn't like <laughs> – it's not like I go out and on my way to watch, like, Vancouver teams or anything or like that. Or Red Bulls, yeah. his former team. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I really don't go out of my way to, like, oh, I'm going to go check out what how this team is doing or what's up. I mean, of course, the name that stood out was our good friend Flo, uh, yeah. making that sw- switch. Uh, what mid August, maybe so about a yeah. month and a half ago, when he made that switch to Vancouver. Um, and I think this was the first time he was playing first against the Earthquakes because I know when he changed in August, I know Vancouver was playing San Jose, but I think he wasn't yet on the roster or he wasn't still like suiting up or in the bench with them yet. So I think that was like the biggest thing I was like most interested, like see how he was going to react. But I mean, they're, they're professionals. The game's the game outside the game. You know, they can be best of friends, but inside the game in those 90 minutes, you got a job, you have to, a do. job to do. Yeah, you have a job to do. And I'm not going to lie. I think it was like, when was there like a little pushing? There's a little pushing with the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, was it Jutsen who did it? Or I don't know. I, I forget who it was. There was a bit of a scrap. <laughs> yeah. And you see Flo in there and he pushes, you know, and then he started to be the peacekeeper. And I'm like, you kind of get hurt. Like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> but at the same time, he was just trying to be like the, the, the peacekeeper. And I read his, I think he, it was either on Instagram or on, on Twitter where he said like, yeah, yeah I love earthquakes. Great dudes. Uh, San Jose will always be a part of my heart, but you know, in the field, you got the moment you just got to do. It's like anyone who here who's listening to the podcast, you played a, a sport in high school or college, or mm-hmm. if you played something competitively, you understand, like you may be friends afterwards, but like, if you really want to win, like those tensions can boil. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by that time you can, you can just see the frustration in the quakes. 
you can just see the frustration in them. Absolutely. The 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 and this is where you those type of things do happen. Those frustrate um, feelings, the emotions, the frustration, everything comes out. Um, and it unfortunately, you know, things like that happen. Nothing seriously happened. Yeah, it's just, it wasn't like, worth yeah. anything more than the yellow cards that were issued. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like you can. I, I think that's like maybe the lowest point so far of the, that little push and shove uh, might have been like the lowest point for the Quakes in the last, you know, 10 days with the mm -hmm. four games. Just you can just tell a team mentally, physically, everything defeated and just doing taking out frustration that they have in themselves with somebody else. So hopefully this break coming up gives them, I don't know how much it will hopefully be end on the high note and for hopes for next year, which I feel like is the same thing we talk about year, season after season with yeah. the earthquakes. Yeah. And that's just what happened there. Thankfully it didn't escalate and you know, it's part of the game. Now we move on to some other subs real quick. They subbed yeah. in Javane Brown to St. Ricketts. Ryan Raposo, Daniel Bikel, and Cameron Habibula. And the big story for Whitecaps is six of their nine bench players. They're Canadian. And I wanted to dig into this a little bit. So we know FC Dallas and to a lesser extent teams like Philadelphia Union and New York Red Bulls, they're known for producing uh, talent that they either go on to play for the U.S. Men's National Team or they go on abroad or something of that sort. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, wow, the Whitecaps, they've had 10 current players in their roster that have been called up by the Canada national team within the last year. And it's a very close race compared to eight current Montreal players and nine current Toronto players. And while that's really impressive and you like to see that, it is interesting because there's only three Canadian MLS clubs compared to the currently 24 in the United States. So that responsibility to develop Canadian players, it's a higher percentage for the Whitecaps compared to, yeah. you know, Sounds Earthquakes might feel developing American players. But it is cool. Of course, we know this is where Alfonso Davies started his career. And right. he's gone on to achieve great things, including a Champions League title with Bayern Munich. So... Whitecaps, even though they haven't always been at their best uh, until this season, now they're starting to really impress. Even if they, whether or not they make the playoffs, they look like a solid team. That that's something that they can hang their hats on. And I mean, that's always a good confidence for any team. I mean, let's look at European teams like Ajax um, in 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 Amsterdam. Yeah, they sure they make a run for champions here and there. You know, past the quarters and stuff like that. But they're mostly known for producing just awesome talent, just developing talent. There's been long history of great players that came out of that organization. Same thing with like Port, you know, Portugal with like Benfica and Sporting, and um, uh, and you know, same thing with Italy. So you have these teams that are great for developing, and I feel like Vancouver might be that team for for Canadian talent just to develop players and go on. And the good thing also, it's interesting you bring up those three teams from Canada, Toronto. Montreal and Vancouver because they do have their own like USL type of league out there. They, they do have, have the Canadian Premier League. They have the yeah, which is at a much smaller scale, so much lower. So these, as far as competitive 
And as far as like exposure, Stefan those three teams that will get them. And of course, when teams start winning, more teams start uh start caring. So of course, like everybody knows Toronto because you had uh Terry Henry uh play there. Um or was then or was he in Montreal? No, he was he was in Toronto, right? Uh Terry Henry, uh he played for the New York Red Bulls. Uh uh, Who am the, I thinking then? Oh, Jermaine Defoe, and then prior to that, um, bef- and following Jermaine Defoe, it was Sebastian Javinko who played That's, for Toronto. Okay, Defoe yeah. is the one who I was thinking, and I want to say Terry Henry is like coaching one of those teams now, right? The Canadian ones. Terry Henry, I don't think he's the current coach of Montreal. He was the former coach. Okay, so yeah. it, it, again, outside San Jose, I really don't pay too much. Uh, close attention to uh, to the other ones. I do hear like a name. I do like a players do pick up here and there. Come uh, to town takes. Listen to our podcast for San Jose earthquakes and MLS education. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But you know the, these Canadian teams, especially when. Um, oh, wow, I just went blank on the same the Italian player. Um, uh, Javinko. Javinko. There you go. Especially when we made that move to to uh, Toronto. To Toronto, I feel like that turned a lot of heads to MLS, and it turned a lot of heads, especially to the Canadian teams. And unfortunately, with COVID this past year and a half, you you know they were kind of forced to stay up there for a majority of, of their time. Um, so they probably use that time to develop great players. And yeah, you can see it with um, with Vancouver how they've been developing young talent, and hopefully more talent comes out from there, especially for like the Canadian national team who are now in a close race to become one of the big dogs from CONCACAF, not just the United States and, and Mexico, but definitely bringing Canada and maybe the drone Costa Rica from being like the, the dark horses of CONCACAF. Yep. And I look forward to our next podcast because we will be talking about qualifiers from CONCACAF and around the world uh, mm-hmm. ahead of the 2022 world cup in Qatar. But yeah. for now, Let's talk a little bit more about this Whitecaps game. Yeah. So the stats say that Whitecaps had 18 shots, the Quakes 11. They had six shots on target compared to the Quakes five. Uh, And my statement regarding possession is the same as with Sounders. They had 60% possession, whatever. Uh, And passing accuracy, 82 to 78 advantage Quakes. Uh, Whitecaps created a chance, Quakes didn't. They had four corners each, two offsides each. Whitecaps fouled 14 times compared to the Quakes 12. And then each team got three yellow cards, including the simultaneous Youngworth and Remedy yellow card in the 57th minute. Uh, with 12 yellow cards, Remedy is tied for the most in MLS. So Remedy, he, he gives what he gets. I mean, he's one of, yeah. if not the most fouled player in MLS this season so far. And he does a lot of the fouling himself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the one that surprised me here who got yellow was Shay Salinas. Yeah. That you came know, late. Yeah. Usually, usually Shay is known for keeping his cool, being a pretty straightforward dude. Um, not more of a quiet counterpart to like Juan Delosky, who's a very outspoken, you know, it's not uncommon for Juan to get yellows. But for Shay to get one is kind of like uncommon. But again, it just shows you where Quakes are right now mentally, uh, you know, as far as frustrated with themselves. Yep. And I'm going to use Whitecaps this season like I did Colorado Rapids last season as an example of a similar size club in MLS to San Jose Earthquakes. 
Vancouver Whitecaps, they joined the league in 2011, so they're no longer new anymore. They've been around for a decade compared mm-hmm. to, you know, Cincinnati and Austin and all those guys. You're essentially a veteran compared to them. Uh, so they've been around the block, and they're in a similar part in Western, you know, North America, and they're not one of the bigger clubs. They're overshadowed by Sounders in Portland the same way the Quakes are overshadowed by the L.A. clubs, and yet mm-hmm. they have built a squad not with a lot of star players, like their biggest star, star Ryan Gold. He was a wonder kid a few years ago, and he hasn't done much since in Europe, but he's come to the Whitecaps and he's done a great job. And they have a solid roster. And the example I'm going to point out here is they were missing Eric Godoy and Ranko Veselinovich. And mm-hmm. they are two of their usual they were their starting pairing at a point this season. And that's where Flo came in. That's why part of why Flo got us start this game. And they're also without Kane International, Lucas Cavallini. And in Cavallini's place, Brian White scores a hat trick. Like that is pretty solid depth for the Whitecaps who don't normally make big splashes in the transfer market. Mm-hmm. So if Whitecaps can do this, if the Rapids can do what they're doing as one of the best teams in the Western Conference, building the squad in the way that they had, why can't the Quakes do it? They make it look like rocket science. Mm-hmm. And you can throw excuses like, oh, money, mm-hmm. Fisher doesn't want to, or Fisher yeah. doesn't want to pay, and this. Yo, I mean, we got rid of our general manager our, yep. our, um, not so long ago. In the, you know, we've been making these changes. How is that summer. these teams are, are oh, yeah, um, over the summer, how is that these teams are still being successful with what they have, and they're still being, they're still facing the same obstacles that the Quakes are facing. Yeah, I know you shouldn't compare ourselves yourself to others, but in this case, I you have you to. Can. You, like, you can. You, we are competing in a league with 26 other clubs who play under the same rules most yeah. of the time. Looking at you in your Miami, but. Most of the time, that is the case. And we can also mention Don Garber likes to bend the rules when it's to his best interest. But San Jose Earthquakes make a mountain out of a molehill. Like They maybe aren't able to attract the biggest names, but there are more than one ways to be successful in this league. And they can't seem to master any of them. And as for the goal score in this game, Brian White, you know, he was in the right place at the right time in all three of them. He, mm-hmm. The first one especially was a tap-in. Like, that should not happen. Like, let them beat you by being good. Don't let them beat you by yourselves beating yourselves. It's just ridiculous. Like, that's not the performance you need from a must-win game. Like, I understand yeah. losing a hard-fought game like 3-2, to two, one, 2-1 two to one or something, but 3-0 against – your direct rival to get to that last playoff spot mm-hmm. when the third was scored i was just thinking of that meme where the guy goes throwing the goddamn towel like yeah it was just pathetic like, yeah it was just again just a world um a very defeated quakes mm-hmm. you can blame it on the schedule you can blame it on traveling and whatever mm-hmm. but i mean at the end of the day like i was just saying earlier like they're professionals, man. They have to be able to compete. As as an athlete, you're, you you train for this, yep. you know, day after day. 
to compete thirty minutes. Yes, signed a contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sucks. You know, playing a game on Wednesday and the next, you know, it I'll play another one two days or three days later. But I mean, if if kids in high school can do it, if kids in yeah. you know, and if you have those little like weekend tournaments where kids are or people are playing like three or four games a day. Granted, they're not 90 minutes, but they might be the equivalents of 90 minutes after that. Like, why can't a professional do this also? Like, every week for my brother Eric's team at San Francisco State University is a double game week, essentially. They, yeah. And thankfully, what they do is they put the home games in the same weeks and the road games in the others so that they try to combine the travel so it's not too much. But yeah. still, it's what they're doing at college. Like, you can handle an MLS. Yeah. And the last thought in this game, uh, Brian White, obviously, man match. Man uh, match. Hat trick. Might as yeah. well. Nothing else to say there. Fantasy League update. At the time of recording, I'm being Quakes FC by about 20 points. Uh, I slipped a little bit, but I'm still tied uh, for fourth in the league, uh, 19-4. Four, 19 wins, four losses with Isla Nublar Raptors. And I'm behind a three-way tie in first place between the Soccer Gods, St. Wando, and El Sobranta FC, all with 20 wins and three losses. And also I want to give a shout-out to Terry and Dave, uh, Dave being fault-line drum guy on fans, oh, okay. in our fantasy league, and Terry being uh, the Soccer Gods, for producing some funny banter on Twitter about Terry using Rui Diaz while he was about to play against the Quakes. At this point, hey, if you want to boost up your fantasy score, that might not might be well. the worst idea. Might um, as well. Yeah. I mean, fantasy, you got to be cold-hearted. Um, a few other uh, things I want to point out. Uh, um, Matias Almeida, he looked like Barack Obama did near the second uh, presidential term as I was coming to an end. Like, mm-hmm. he's just tired, dude. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely just, just tired, just stressed, just like same thing, like wondering, like, what else can I do to motivate yeah. these players or what can I do? He here he talked about the importance of building, you know, family and playing together and having trust and, you know, all this stuff. But I mean, he just looked defeated. Definitely the the, the purple sweater isn't working no more. Yeah. You know that magic that that seems kind of faded also. So he does it, seem defeated. It turned and... into a cloak of invisibility for our defense. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> it really did, dude. So now I feel like, and with Amina's contract ending in a couple of weeks, you know, um, rumors will swirl. Yeah, and you know what? I to be honest, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he does take yeah. a couple. A season off or a couple months off, and then tries a new project somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised. Unfortunately, it will suck here for San Jose for what mm-hmm. they're doing, making the team or building a fan base based on the San Jose culture and uh and building on that Latin X community here and oh in, yeah in, in the Bay Area. It will defeat that. Um, but I I mean Matias he has to he has a reputation also to keep as a as a um, as a coach so hey, he has he ambitions said, yeah he says he loves it here he i he i've seen i read the interviews he says he loves san jose he loves the culture here he loves how 
uh, soccer and, you know, he's not very pressured. Like he can go to the same grocery store over and over. Yeah. No one really bats an eye. If somebody does recognize him, it's just like a quick, oh, hey, what's up on Meta? You know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. But it's not, it, but it's not like he has constantly has to fear the paparazzi. He doesn't have to like cover his children or have his children uh, exposed to that. So he seems more relief in that sense. But if the team is not producing, you know, what's the point? Yeah. And if I may, it does leave. And having had the opportunity to ask him some press conference questions, both in English and Spanish, like he is trying and he does his best and he has a respect for the media and as a person there's nothing to hate about Almeida he's a brilliant person and he deserves the best he would and I wish him the best and yeah. I'll be very happy if he can stay for 2022 because it's not on him like maybe he might be a part of the rebuild maybe not we'll see for recent results, we'll start with Sunday, September 26th. I won't go through all these, just some notable results. Sounders beat Sporting Kansas City 2-1, to one, so they went into our game against them with some momentum. Thank you, Austin. I know we have some friends from the Austin fan and podcast yeah. community who listen or at least interact with us on Twitter. You beat LA Galaxy 2-0. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It's not going to help us, most likely, but Still, I am all for beating Galaxy whenever you get the chance. So good for that. And on Wednesday, September 29th, that was the same day as Quakes played Sounders. New England Revolution, they are going to win the Supporters' Shield by a landslide. They beat Montreal 4-1. to And the scary part about that game is their top striker, Gustavo Bo, uh, he was in a slump prior to that game. He got on the score sheet, so... Revolution are going to be full steam ahead going into this postseason. Uh, Chicago had an upset 2-0 over New York City. Sporting Kansas City beat Dallas 3-1 with Ricardo Pepe getting on the score sheet for Dallas, but Sporting Kansas City still did enough to get the win. Uh, Rapids beat Austin 3-0. Dynamo and Whitecaps were held to 0-0 draw. Houston Dynamo kept a clean sheet against this Whitecaps team, and they scored three against us. Like... Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Dynamo, like, we'll see them on and when we go through the standings. They're lower than us, so yeah. there's no excuse. Uh, Real Salt Lake also beat Galaxy 2-1, so there you go, Real Salt Lake. Even though you beat us, like, all is forgiven. Uh, <laughs> Timbers beat LAFC 2-1, so on that night, all three California teams lost. Well, you oh, look wow. at that. Yeah. And a big one that I'm sure you probably uh, kept an eye on as you mm-hmm. were at the game, uh, Columbus Crew beat Cruz Azul 2-0. So the memes continue for Cruz Azul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're still having that um, the championship, like, hanging over. Um, all in, you know, it's just not with this international competitions, but also with League MX. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, as um, – as a person who follows League IMAX and that's like their main focus, it, you know, you have a little sense of pride with League IMAX, regardless of what team it is. Anytime they play any international cup, you always, myself, I'm always rooting for League IMAX to an extent. Um, Excluding like rivals, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To an extent. I will <laughs> but, never root for America to win CONCACAF Champions League, nor will I root for LA Galaxy. I draw the line yes. there. That's what it is. But like, you know, I have a little I got a lot of friends who are Cruz yeah. Azul 
fanatic. So you know, I, I'll, I'll back him up. But um, <laughs> but yeah, again, this this shows what MLS has to offer as far as like um as far as competition wise and closing the gap between the two leagues. And there's no surprise that this tournament that was announced um, in August also is going to happen. And it should be a great way to showcase the um, how much MLS has grown in the last 20 years or even in the last 10 years. Um, yeah. You're constantly seeing more MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League and, and all these tournaments reach to, reach to the finals. Um, so getting one over uh, a Liga Maxim, regardless of, especially a team like Cruz Azul, who were the yeah. champions. I mean, Cruz Azul is still one of the biggest clubs in Mexico. The top four yeah. teams in Mexico, period. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, um, it's a big support. Not my team, Cruz Azul, so I'm not really going to sleep on yeah. it. I'm I'm still going to be able to sleep. Yeah, I got bigger problems uh, with Chivas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my, that's my bigger problem right there. But sucks <laughs> for my Cruz Azul fans. Uh, and friends out there, and uh, would it go Columbus Crew? You, you know, whatever. and I don't think I just... Liga MX fans will lose too much sleep on this in general because their teams are still winning the Concacaf Champions League on a regular basis. So yeah. MLS, that's still your challenge. Like you're winning some battles, but Liga MX are still the top league in uh, North America until you win that top competition. And I think the what's going to come down to is going to be this international break of like. Who actually makes it to the, um, you know, who qualifies for World Cups and stuff yeah. like that. So we'll see on that one. A few more results uh, on Saturday. Uh, Austin beat Real Salt Lake 2-1. to one, So they're ending their season. Like, they still have some ways to go. But they're, they're trying to finish strong for their fans. Uh, mm-hmm. Montreal beat Atlanta 2-1. to one, Another Canadian club. that They're still fighting for their playoff uh, positioning. Uh, mm-hmm. Red Bulls beat Cincinnati 1-0. They did what they had to do to keep their playoff hopes alive. Orlando beat DC United 2-1. And Dallas and Minnesota uh, finished scoreless. Minnesota United, they are kind of dropping points there. And yeah. the early game today, uh, at the time of recording, New York City drew 0-0 to Nashville. So that plays more into Nashville's hands since they're more comfortably in second. Well, New York City, similar to Minnesota United, trying to drop points regularly. And that'll do it for the recent results. And we'll go into the standings real quick. Let's take a look. Yep. So in the Western Conference, Sounders are on 51 points. Uh, so they're leading the West, followed by Sporting Kansas City, 49, and Colorado Rapids, 48. So it's three points separating first from third. They are the top tier teams in the Western Conference right now, but trying to push into that tier in fourth place is Portland Timbers with 43 points. Uh, They're starting to peak at the right time. And then the battle for the playoff spots, it's starting to turn into what was once a six-way battle from fifth to tenth. Mm -hmm. It's looking more like a five or even four-team battle. So you got Real Salt Lake 39 points, Galaxy 38 Minnesota 38, and then below the playoff line in eighth place is Vancouver Whitecaps with 37. So they're only one point behind the playoffs. They mm-hmm. did what they had to do. The Quakes did not. That is the difference right now. Ninth is LAFC as well. They're going to be worried. And Bob Bradley is on the hot seat over with LAFC. And yeah. 10th place, 33 points, San Jose Quakes. And we are only better than Texas. 11th Dallas, 12th Dynamo, 13th Austin. So not good. I'll, 
I'll take it though. As long as we're better than Texas, I'll take it. We already knew that though. California better than Texas. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I've been to Houston. It's a nice city. It's uh, Texas overall. You know, it's like California. We have some good parts. We have some ways to improve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference. So New England Revolution, 65 points after playing 29 games. So that is wild. Uh, they are 18 points ahead of Nashville. So and Nashville played one fewer game. So essentially once Nashville drops points again or Revolution pick up one more point, like the Sports Shield is already – or the Eastern Conference is already wrapped up. It might take another game or two since the Sounders are – 14 points behind them, but essentially it's only a matter of time. Congratulations on most likely winning the supporter shield, but that's just a consolation prize compared to MLS cup, which they've been chasing since 1996 and they haven't been able to get one yet. Next up. And I'm just doing some quick math. Mm -hmm. They are, wait, I did the calculation wrong. 65 divided by 29. So they're averaging 2.24 points per game, Danny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't yes. matter what league you play, like you're winning something with that kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. And then the second place, Nashville's kind of on an island with 47 points. Obviously not catching New England, but they have a bit of a buffer ahead of the chaos that's following them. So yeah. From third to what's the eighth for now? So, yeah, Orlando, 42 points, D.C., 40 points, NYC, 40 points, Montreal, 40 points. The last playoff spot is occupied by Philadelphia Union, 39 points. And then just below the playoff line, Atlanta United, 39 points with New York Red Bulls and Columbus Crew, uh, the next challengers, 34 points. So Eastern Conference is so tight. They're tighter than the West this year, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Quakes in this position, they would have been – run at what 10th place maybe they would be 11th, 11th. they would be 11. between columbus crew and inter miami yeah and then with those teams stuck between third and well seventh yeah i mean there's there's only a two or three point difference between them so no way and and these teams are actually performing yeah you know they're actually performing they're actually giving the results on like the quakes so i feel like quakes will not you know the season will be over you might, I mean, I guess it's the stupid quick fan in me that still believe that there is a, there is some sort of hope. There is something that might be, uh, that might happen, but I mean, I don't think quakes are going to go playoffs this year, period. Unfortunately. And for the upcoming relevant games, we have the international break, which means the CONCACAF uh, octagonal. USA, Jamaica, Mexico, Canada, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. They mm. will be playing three more games each. For the USA, they have Jamaica uh, at home, Panama away, and Costa Rica at home. Mexico have Canada at home, Honduras at home, and El Salvador away. So uh -huh. these are big games coming up. And yeah. you could probably uh, briefly preview Mexico a bit more, and I'll tackle USA. Yeah, um, you know, Mexico right now, obviously, they have something to prove, especially um, as far as the senior team, quote-unquote senior team, not really coming with any goal over the summer with, like, the Gold Club and, and the leagues. Oh, was the league one? The other one was the Cap Nations League. Yeah, Nation Leagues. There you go. 
Um, obviously, we do have um, some highlights. You know, you, you have uh, Raul Jimenez uh, playing and scoring with Wolverhampton again. He's coming back. You have Chucky Lozano also performing. Same thing with um, Edson Avedis also performing in their teams um, in Europe. And we cannot dismiss. Yes, gold was the objective. And even though the 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 man's soccer team did not create gold in 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 Japan, they did come back with um with a bronze medal, which is still very very nice. That's super and impressive. Yeah, they lost to Brazil. Like yeah, it, there's. I mean, and I and you have Fernando Fiore in your show before, and we and last time I talked to Fernando, uh, yeah. we we said this that. You know, the, the thing is, you're always going to have your favorites, which are always the top ones. It's always Argentina. It's always Brazil. It's yeah. always like Germany. It's always Italy, France. You have all these Spain. Like, Spain. You have like very high, like you're always your favorites. Um, your sure bets, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, to for your under 23, for the most part, team to, you know, to lose versus teams that you probably be facing in the World Cup. It's not a bad thing. You still were able to defeat Japan, who who was doing amazing, amazing stuff out there. Yeah. Um. You still were able to perform, you know, over, uh, over Germany, over France, and all this stuff. So, it it didn't leave with a high objective note, but it's still a great note. So it's just great to see how Tata is gonna incorporate these players from who just uh, came with some hardware from 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 the Olympics. How they're gonna incorporate it with the senior team. Which one will produce? Um, if he's gonna go with a more reserved squad for the first games, or if he's gonna go ahead and get like the big dogs in there. And I know there's been a high crowd, a, a high call for trophies to be back in. Um, yeah, to, to be back in the men's national team. But I mean, let's be honest, he's just had be a tough road. And not only that, he only had two good games. But prior to that, you did not hear anything from, from trophies for several weeks. So yeah. it's the inconsistency. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of backwards with the USA. Uh, I was looking at the roster and one notable mission was uh, the fullback Joe Scally. He plays and starts for Borussia Mönchengladbach in the mm-hmm. Bundesliga. And he was excluded from this roster uh, in favor of someone like Shaq Moore, for example, he was in the Gold Cup roster. He did play, but he's only played uh, two, maybe three games for uh, his club side in the second tier of Spain. So I don't know what's going on with the USA. Uh, they got desperately needed win in their last game away for Honduras, but they ha- Jamaica is going to be tough. I think Jamaica they may be like the pick to finish last in the octagonal but they're not pl- making it easy for the teams like you probably remember that mexico struggled a bit with jamaica when they beat them in that first window and the away game against panama like they gotta be careful with that and lastly a home game against costa rica this is a window where usa they need to get a minimum of six points uh, ideally if they could get seven that would help them out but it's not going to be easy and they have to really get their lineups right. And hopefully we see more of what happened in the second half of the Honduras game and less of the uh, off the field distractions and uh, tactical ineptitude we saw for most of that window. And mm-hmm. we'll see with Greg Berhalter, tactical ineptitude is always expected, but 
you know, hopefully the talent on this roster can help this team win in spite of him. And we're going to cover, uh, we'll provide a recap on the CONCACAF uh, World Cup qualifying action uh, a bit more in depth uh, during this international break. I'm currently uh, planning a special podcast for that. And we'll see who we can recruit to join. I'm currently working on recruiting you, Danny, but we'll see oh. uh, with your schedule. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I'll have my people call you. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and by that, we mean like we'll text each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the last games for Quakes this season, they hit the road uh, to LAFC on Saturday, October 16th. Then they have a couple of double game weeks. Uh, Austin and Whitecaps at home, then a road trip for Timbers and Real Salt Lake away, and they end the season uh, at home to FC Dallas. So I know you're a bit disappointed, but might I see you at one last home game this season? Yeah, I mean, the tickets have been bought already. I already got yeah. the <laughs> they're they're going to be there. And even like for the game on Wednesday for the Sounders, because we did come across extra tickets. I was trying to, I was like, hey, my two seats plus a parking pass for like 40 bucks or something like just, yeah. you know, for food. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no one really, no one no really one took them. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll, uh, you'll, you'll see me at home for the uh, extra games for sure. I love the Sounds Earthquakes Facebook group. The one thing we're missing is for game days, we need a, uh, thread where everyone can post like if they need to sell or buy last minute tickets <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i will be um, i will be there versus austin um yeah. i'll be great to see that team play i actually i'm looking at it right now i have my scarf over there i supported uh los verdes um and i got their scarf which is a little bit i know it's a little bit taboo as an earthquakes fan but I do like the city of Austin. Been there yeah. a couple of times. And yeah, also nice. <laughs> super nice. Uh, such a great uh, vibe environment in that city. But also, most importantly, Los Verdes hooked up with this um, with this uh, um, with this foundation called um, Hi, How Are You? Uh, in memory of the great Daniel Johnston, who's a singer songwriter out of Austin, and you know promoting mental uh, mental wellness which is something i'm dear near to my heart so when i saw that they linked up uh, those veterans linked up with that organization and they created a scarf to promote mental wellness i'm like i have to get this so i may or may not be wearing something austin related or verdes related to austin game but it's just to support a mental wellness but i'll still yes. wear my uh, don't think i'm confused i, yeah. I do it for the right things Right. Don't worry. There's no San Quakes Austin rivalry yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> I can make also, it. I can make it happen. W- one thing that I do want to know as well, like all of those things are great about Austin. Another great thing is that with their social media presence as well as their fan community, like Sounds Earthquakes, it's heavily Latinx influenced as well, which yeah. I think is really great. I feel like if I were to go on a road game to see the Quakes play Austin, it would feel like you know. Other than, you know, me supporting the away team would be uh, a home away from home. So, yeah, not only that, but I have uh, my great friend from the foot call. Oh, I'm actually wearing the shirts today. Hey, look at that. Look at me. Oh, yeah. Uh, my great friends over at foot call. They, one of the members is over in San Antonio. So about an hour away from, from Austin. So, of course, I feel like I have to root in solitary for my homie. 
over this is in sort of related to my first part of this social media segment but if you want to see something cool that's san antonio related i follow this madden youtuber uh c4 he's doing this series called pink slips where he relocated houston texans and it's he picked the team san antonio express and uh-huh. it's a really fun Madden series. You should check it out. Hell yeah. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. So now we'll go into social media. And I pretty much just said, you know, this is your space to vent, uh, ask anything related to the club, and let us have it. And I'll start with uh, something that I tweeted uh, during the game uh, for the Whitecaps game, that Sounds Earthquakes are – uh, playing like Jared HD, a famous FIFA YouTuber, wants to do a rebuild for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in Jared HD as well, he's a very uh, successful Australian uh, FIFA YouTuber. He has, I think, 200,000 subscribers. He dropped a like on it, as well as Eric Wynalda. So maybe it's kind of interesting. Eric Wynalda, he's a, you know, he's in his 50s. If he does watch Jared HD, that'd be a pretty cool re- revelation. But anyway, Next hey, up for Eric, Eric, I have a love and hate relationship with Eric Winalda. <laughs> uh, I, I still want to ask him what the hell was he thinking about making the the Sidewinder, the, the uh, Sidewinders back in the mid nineties. <laughs> if you haven't looked them up, look up Eric Winalda's Reebok Sidewinders. They're very unique um, soccer cleats. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like we will talk about like. 80s metal like Van Halen and we'll talk about like different guitar we'll we'll, we'll nerd out like him and it will be myself Eric Ronaldo and Alexi Lalas and we'll be nerding out on music and rock and then when it comes down to soccer when I'll ask him something soccer related they just disappear so yeah he, so he likes to talk music with me but not soccer <laughs> so I, I see you Eric I see you Ronaldo yeah. I still got I still have your jersey from the clash days yeah all right, so for from Todd Inouye on Facebook, happy for flow, bum for us. Short and sweet, same, Todd. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Ditto. a Reddit user, he asked that I didn't mention his uh, Reddit uh, username, but I had to mention this, and hopefully he does listen. Fisher's cheap and overpays for the wrong players. This is the result we get. And, you know, we <laughs> talked about this. Like, this is an organizational issue uh, as well as a team issue, so – we got to figure something out. Absolutely, man. Gilberto from Discord. Uh, this weekend was a crash back to reality. They punched above their own way at times. They aren't built to contend with playoff teams consistently yet. And that's exactly the way it is. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes, they cannot afford to miss their opportunities, both Mm-mm. in terms of taking chances as well as dropping points, which they did with all those draws. So that's what happens. Uh, good teams find a way to win. Next up, Chofis with Cheese, a.k.a. Nico, asks, uh, yeah, it's a great name. Uh, Quick Separate Center talked about whether or not Jackson Newell has regressed or if he's a victim of a broken midfield. Jackson Newell is the Charlie Brown of this team. He tries his best, but every time there's a Lucy on the field taking the football away from him. So I don't know what it is. I still think he's talented, and maybe we're getting to that point where Newell is – getting starts and getting game time because the player that we think he can be, but if he is proving to be a liability, like that's something that has to be considered as well. But at this point of the season, I don't think there's another player on this roster, unless you want to trust Tommy Thompson 
that can play that role in him. And Tommy Thompson has mostly played more deeper in the field and as a right back. So that might be asking a little bit much from him. Next up for Saz, how much of the late August, early September schedule have to do with the last two games, schedule injuries and long run of ties? We already talked about this. Um, and yeah. To reiterate your point, Danny, everyone deals with this. They're athletes. Like, you know, what else can we say at that point? Like, don't feel any more sympathy. Yeah, exactly. Moth on Discord. Nice to see that fire from Flo after their keeper got taken out, though. <laughs> yeah. At least we can find some humor in the situation. Yeah. And I mean, they he he left in the field. Yeah. And as a professional, everybody knows this is it is it, being left in the field. Yeah. Golden Marcus on Twitter wonders what Matias is going to choose after this season. And I feel like he has his pick of the bunch. It could be another Mexican club. It could be another Argentine club yeah. or another uh, club in South America competing in either the Copa Sudamericana, which is the Europa League, or maybe even Copa Libertadores. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, uh, she's definitely getting some phone calls, I'm sure. Horo27 on Twitter thinks that the biggest issues are KCAL's lack of involvement, Matias, tactics, and what is our best case scenario for this season? So I know you disagree that Kate Cowell should be involved more. Like you think maybe Kate Cowell is not ready for this level. He, he needs to be developed more. And I see Kate Cowell coming in, kind of taking that Wando role, like where he comes in the last 10, 15 minutes, yeah. you know, try use his speed, use his power for like the last minute, but he's not ready for the full nine minutes. And it, yeah. and it sucks because he just wants some sort of hope. He wants something to cheer for as Quake fans. He wants something. He's but, a raw product right now. Yeah, but it's not Kate Cowell. And by him pushing himself, trying to over, over what's the word I'm looking for? Like overcompensate. Over, yeah, yeah. For whatever he lacks in skills, he's gonna get himself injured and might end his career earlier than you know before he even really took off. His time will come. I, I'm his time will come, but it's not yet. It's not in his last six games. I think it's okay to pump the brakes of it. He doesn't have yeah. to go to Barcelona in three years. Like uh-huh. he can be a good MLS level player for those three years. And then whatever happens from there, we'll see. Yeah. Um, our best case scenario for this season, I think at this point and sitting in 10th place, maybe we leapfrog LAFC uh, for ninth and maybe we finish in eighth. I don't think we have enough left in this team to finish in seventh anymore uh for me for the you know for, for coming out with i don't know only losing one or two games in the last two ones but yeah. I, I, for me the only thing we can savage from the season or basically scenario is that earthquake starts with that spark again playing yeah. that create that mayhem or whatever they used to call each other you or never say die yeah. Well, no. What was the documentary that they released last year? Um, I honestly I don't know. I'm, I meant to watch that documentary, but then it just sort of like faded. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Was but be being that mess, being that that spark, being that unpredictable team. Um, I think that would be a high for me. That would be best case scenario. Earthquake starting to win again and playing with more confidence at the end to, to end the season. The high note. Yeah. And I do want to uh, 
mention uh, David Mays uh, on Twitter. He wanted to know uh, if we had any good books about the history of the quakes. I still have to do that research and I will get back to you, uh, David, about that. Um, and maybe someone listening, if you want to uh, add us on Twitter and you can, we can relay that suggestion to him. But um, one last question for from Luis Velasquez. Should Almeida stay or not? Who should replace him? And he also noted uh, that even though that Chofis had a good uh, few games and that Chivas are struggling, it may not be that easy for Chofis to reintegrate himself back with a squad as the party situation that forced this exile to mm -hmm. MLS could be considered irreconcilable. So let's break this down first. So yeah, I, I'll be straight with you, Luis. I hope Almeida stays. It's not a matter of should he. It's up to him at this point. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not going to say I don't care who replaces him. I don't want it to be a crappy head coach. But I don't know who can steer this ship in the right direction without more serious systemic changes within this organization. Yeah. So it's beyond the coach at this point. And at this point it's not yeah. the coach it, it's the it's the front office it, it it's those it's the ones above them i think that's where the change should cap should happen a lot of people think that oh just bringing a new coach that's just a, a, a band-aid right. issue it's to a premier this, league mentality thinking that oh yeah we'll sack the manager after 10 games and we'll be fine hmm. yeah no and and this is the issue also we've been seeing with like chivas you know in 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 the mx where it's just swapping your coach, you know, this is what they just they just sacked their coach about two Mark weeks ago. Leagues, yeah. yeah, what switching your coach like the third or fourth coach in like in two years or three years, yeah. that's gonna make a difference. It's not it, if you're if you're um if you're turning around with coaches or that frequently, you have to look higher. You have to look higher because the decisions are being made higher up there. This is the ones that are affecting you down down below into the quality of, of team that you're performing. So I think for Quakes, yes, I would love for Ameda to stay for another season um, or ex even more uh, here in MLS. But I feel like for that, for order for that to happen, Quakes need to do a change from, from um, the higher, the ones higher up in power um, for those real changes to happen. Changing the coach is not going to affect um, the situation um, right now or in the future as well. All right. And do you agree that even if Chivas don't renew their loan or allow him to leave on a permanent basis with San Jose, that Chofis would have a place in the squad or, in, or would it just be like, okay, welcome back, but we're going to sell you to whoever pays us the most for you? I feel like Chofis would have – again, it all depends. It all depends if Almeida stays. Uh, if Almeida stays – then I feel like Chofis does have a place for, for the squad. It's no surprise that Chofis played at his best when Almeida was with Chivas several years back. There's no surprise now that there's been this um, this new uh, rebirth of Chofis now with the Quakes, especially in the past, in the second half of, of the season, again, being led by Almeida as well. But he's not going to go back to Chivas. Chivas but a long time ago, they X'd him out and said, we don't want this guy, period. Somebody come and take him. Um, so I think his place right now is with um, with Earthquakes. As far as him going back to Liga MX, 
I don't see him going to any Liga MX team, period. Also, uh, because they have that, he has that bad reputation. He has that um, that mentality of not really doing his best and kind of being more on the glamorous side. Sure, he might have matured a little bit since last time being with Liga MX, but I feel like no team is going to risk that, especially when you're being inconsistent here with MLS. No one's going to want you to be inconsistent in Liga MX where you're more, um, where's a more tuck, a more faster, more cutthroat, um, league than MLS. No, no, yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. All right, so you know, being a Chivas and San Jose Earthquakes fan is an interesting position to be in right now because of all these links between the clubs, but I must admit that, uh, I Definitely pay more attention to the San Jose Earthquakes than Chivas. So I was thinking from a tactical standpoint, especially if you're going to lose some of your young players, probably not in the winter, but probably over the summer, if they want to go on to bigger and better things, should Chivas continue to suck, that you might have to be like, trophies, is there any way we could work this out? But that's probably not the case. Uh, thank you for your insight. And thank you, Luis, as well, for bringing that to my attention. And a brief look at our intended schedule of podcasting for the remainder of the season. So like I alluded to earlier, it, we do have something planned for the international break. Uh, I am currently recruiting a panel of maybe anywhere from three to five people. We'll see how it pans out. But we're going to break down the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying after the three rounds of matches have concluded. And we'll also briefly talk about the other qualifying campaigns across the world, taking a look at, you know, what we can somewhat expect still a year out from the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And as for Quakes games, we will talk about the LAFC game on Saturday, October 16th. Post game, uh, we'll record the podcast. It'll just be a single game podcast. We'll double up on the Austin and Vancouver games. Then we'll double up on the Portland and Real Salt Lake games. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that recorded uh, before Halloween uh, or at least early Halloween. And then lastly, we'll have a regular season finale podcast. And I'll probably delete the words regular season as <laughs> full on season finale, uh, yeah. FC Dallas. And we'll try to get as many of the Tectonic Takes crew as possible uh, to get that. Just sort of, you know, recap the season, think about what went right, what went, what went wrong, including me saying what went wrong. And from there, we'll be essentially in our offseason, most likely, barring a miracle. We'll probably do some regular podcasts uh, recapping the playoff games and how that goes. And from there, we'll figure it out <laughs> in the coming months. Right. We have one more uh, quick activity we're going to do because I know we're running a bit long, Danny. Mm -hmm. So I have the roster list in front of me. So I'm going to say their name, and I want you to say... Stay. Stay, go, or prove it. So okay. stay means they should be in our roster in 2022, if we want to be as competitive as possible. Go means either uh, due to, you know, getting up there in age, 
due to their performances this season or some other irreconcilable situation that it's better off that they uh, go on somewhere else. And prove it means the jury's still out. We need to see a bit more from them these last six games to see if they, we can still put them in their plans. Okay? For sure. Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. And I'll also provide my answers as well. So this, we'll start with an easy one. JT Marcinkowski, stay. Oh, maybe stay. not an easy one. Okay. Uh, you had to think between, about Between stay and prove it. Okay. So for JT, real quick, um, I don't see how we're going to improve on goalkeeper. I think we have bigger issues right now. So that, That's the issue. That's the yeah. problem also. But yes, as of right now, yeah, stay. Uh, for Abacassis, I'm going to go prove it. I'll give him one more season. Yeah, prove it also. Yeah. Palmery, eh, I'm okay with him going. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Even though he did, he started off the, the yeah. season pretty well. Um, we're not looking at for one or two good games. We're looking for consistency. So I'll be right. okay with him going also. And I'm sure he probably would prefer another chance, whether it means uh, dropping down to USL championship or mm-hmm. finding another MLS club. I mean, there's going to be some more expansion clubs that he might fi- be able to. Uh, Locally or- also. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, and this is a bit of a trickier one because Osvaldo Alanis is on loan from Chivas. I, 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 I go. Go. Okay. Yeah. And probably wouldn't uh, see too much game time on Chivas either, I'm guessing. Yeah. I think it's about him also time to uh, maybe not back to Chivas. He'll probably go, you know, go to another team in Liga Max if he yeah. if he's lucky. But I feel like uh, his time here is up. Uh, inconsistency or in, anything like that. He's a great guy. But many oops, the few interactions I've had with him, great guy. But I mean, you need to perform in the field, so I would be okay with him going. For Eric Remedy, I'm going to say stay, but yeah. foul less. <laughs> I'll say stay also. I think he's been uh, he's been consistent. He's been constant with the Quakes also. So uh, stay with him for sure. For Shea Salinas, I'm going to say reduced role. Uh, yeah. Okay, I like that one. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say go, but yeah, reduce. Where's Shea Salinas going to go at this point? I think he's going to retire quick. Yeah, he is. The day the the day, well, I'm pretty sure Wanaldo's gonna be, oh, not Wanaldo. Uh, <laughs> Wondolowski is gonna be brought up. And once Wondolowski leaves, I think also Shea Salina should also leave. They're, they're a two for one kind of deal. I, I could see him, if he doesn't retire this season, Salinas, he might do one more just to not trust. I mean, it, it would be impossible for him to steal Wondolowski's thunder, but yeah. I think Salinas retiring in a separate season so that we can still give him his appreciation to. Okay. It's possible. Next up for Carlos Fierro, I think he should go. Yeah. I was thinking about prove it, but I think it's been two seasons now for him, maybe a season and a half because he came in the summer. So I'll go with go as well. Yeah. Even last season, I feel like last season was his prove it. Um, It was so much hype behind him. And then this season also, it's just him not seeing healthy, not getting the minutes, not producing. Um, not really doing anything that much. I, I will be okay with Carlos Fierro leaving as well. Um, going maybe calling it a, a, a career ready as well. All right, and we know what, what's going to happen with Wando, so we'll move on to Chofis. If we can keep him, yeah, I I agree with that. If we can keep him, I think he he's he's thriving here in San Jose. He loves being the center of the attention on for the squad, and I think it's also one of those things, kind of like um, what. 
Almeida was saying that with MLS, you really don't get, especially here in San Jose, you really don't get the paparazzi following you. They really don't really care. I mean, sure, if I see trophies, like, oh, you know, it'll be once every, like, week somebody might recognize him and might say something to him. Um, other than that, I think, you know, no one really bats an eye with, with trophies. Um, and he seems to like the Bay Area. He seems, yeah. from what I see on Instagram, he's, he seems to be liking it. He seems to be enjoying what the Bay Area and surrounding areas have to offer. So, you know, maybe he, um, I wouldn't mind him staying, but also step it up, bro. Be more consistent. Yeah. All right. And then these next two are the same for me. Both Espinosa and Ebobise should stay. Yeah, stay uh, on both those teams. They've been, from the bunch, they've been per- producing week and weekend. So um, I feel like they should stay also. And maybe if he does stay, I'll learn to say Ebobese. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and next one's a bit of a tricky one. Matt Bersano. So he's obviously not going to challenge for JT's spot, but mm-hmm. the question is, should he stay and be our number two without Vega in the picture? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, say, I, I say yes. Vega. You Vega. saw. Damn it. I don't know. Well, you saw the issue with Vega last year, um, especially with those defeats over and over. But JT has also been kind of doing very Vega-ish mistakes. That's why I was kind of redundant. But I think think it's time for Vega. uh, uh, I think for him, it's him time to go um, and have a new number two in the bench. All right. And then we have a few more before we go into a few where I will put under need more data um so nathan for now i think stay simply because we can't get rid of everybody we're not gonna get rid of nathan after a few bad games and he's still probably our best definitely our best center back probably our best defender even uh jackson you prove it yeah i think prove it and i think you said this earlier in the episode that he has that black cloud haunting him uh, because of the uh, qualifiers over over the summer, mm-hmm. um, but even then, like MLS and and yeah. and national team are two different two different beasts. Um, so I think he does have to prove it, unfortunately, because um, he has he's been there's been nothing talk about him in the past two or three months already. Yeah, so definitely prove it. Tanner Beeson can stay. Sure. Yes. Jack Scan, um, we need someone on the bench. We'll say uh, need more data. Yeah. Definitely need more data on George Asamani. Absolutely. Uh, I'll also put that for Siad Haji. I think we saw yeah. him in the first half of the season, not so much in the second half. Yeah. Tommy Thompson can stay because he's a utility player off the bench. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I love you Tommy. You're... I love Tommy. I love Tommy. I cannot stress this enough. I've been... Uh, Tommy, if you ever listen to this, uh, we were we're those dudes where you go and warm up. We always used to go, hey, put Tommy yeah. in. Blah, blah. We always been cheering you on, dude. Uh, even at Kip, uh, Tommy, remember this? If you went to Kip, we were saying how we've been following your career and we're super stoked you're getting the minutes. But I think I think it's time for Tommy to spread his wings and go somewhere else because he's not getting the minutes. He is a great utility player. Um, you know. Home, you know, local hero, home first homegrown player for the Quakes and stuff. But I think it's time for him to kind of go and find a, his place somewhere else and kind of make his name and not be a shadow of this what could have been. Because he, okay. he's still young, he's still talented. But I feel like 
prove it. Give him the minutes so he can prove it. If not, I think it's time for him to yeah. go. So he's 26. He's still got time. Yeah. Andy Rios, I'm sorry. It's not working out. Andy Rios, yeah, I can agree with that. It's time for him to go. Marcos Lopez, absolutely stay. Yeah. Yep. Benji, absolutely stay. Days. Yep. Jacob, like, stay healthy, and we need to see more data. Yeah. (laughs) Emi Ochoa, he's going to be our future goalkeeper, I think, for now still, so he can stay. Uh, I mean, the kid is, what, 17? Yeah, so we still need more data, but, like, 17, like 64, whatever. Yeah, he uh, he's in loan, right? He went on on the loan to somewhere. If I, uh, he's or, currently not on loan. He's listed as our roster. He was at he's been at the games. So I'm thinking that he got called up for um he got called up for practice camp for either the US or Mexico team. I think that's yeah. what I'm confusing. But yeah, definitely stay. I'm I would still like to see him play and make yeah. that judgment. I think we have a friendly uh, – we didn't even mention this in this podcast, but there's a friendly coming against Cruz Azul. I want to see Emi Ochoa. I want to see Jacob. I want to see all these guys that barely played, if possible. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I think these two can still say, even though you have some mixed feelings, Kate Cowell and Jitson. Kate Cowell, um, something to prove. Well, Jitson, yeah. he can say. Jitson yeah. can say, yes. Yes. But Kate Cowell – I feel like he he definitely has. I haven't seen proof. I think he needs to prove that he's he can be more disciplined, yeah, and that he, he can be coachable. And I feel like with that kind of like Chase Salinas, stay but kind of re, reduce the role, put him in the last ten, put him in the last couple of minutes, have him um, retune his skills. Don't push. He, he's gonna be great. He's gonna go on and be a very great player. But don't push it just yet. Don't be like another Freddie Adu where like, oh, the next Pelé and the big the next big thing from um from the States. Yeah. And nothing happens. So let him stay. And you know what, Quakes? If like a great team, like obviously not Barcelona or else right. call for him. But yeah. like if like Benfica calls asking for him, or Ajax calls, or like Newcastle or something calls, yeah. send him. Southampton, yeah. send him over. I yeah. think that'll be a great way to uh, to have him develop because there is skill there. There's the speed. There's yeah. the power. There's the, the physique. But it needs to be coached still, and it needs to be defined. You can see what the mistakes that he's doing and how he's out of place and kind of ball washing some, sometimes when, when he's out there in the pitch. And I'll put our lone players all on uh, need more data and – uh, also, I'll admit, like, I haven't done as good of a job following these guys on in USL. So, Gilbert Fuentes is at Austin Bold. Eric Alvillo is at Orange County. Casey Walls is at Austin Bold. And Thomas Williamson is at Pittsburgh Riverhounds. I'm going to, for the remainder of the USL championship, I got to make sure I uh, keep an eye on those lineups, see how involved they are. And then I'll be able to make a better assessment as to what we can expect from them as Quakes players potentially in 2022. Yeah. All right. So that's all I have uh, for today. So I think we had a few tectonic takes with that last segment. Um, Thank you all for listening or watching, whether you're listening on your podcast platform or on YouTube. Daniel, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, please. I'm constantly on Twitter, talking smack, having a good time. Uh, all fun, but you can find me on Twitter at Danny E3P. You can also find me on Instagram at Danny B. Shank. 
Um, I'll invite you all to listen to follow my podcast, the L3 pod on Twitter. We're, we're still active on there. Um, you can also find past uh, episodes of the L3 pod on 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 Spotify. We still have them there. We've been taking we're a little bit of a hiatus right now with the L3 pod, but we still we're still constant on it. But I do also invite our the listeners over here to listen to my other podcast called Tales from the Head. Um, it's our mental wellness um, podcast. Me and my buddy Ryan Cooper, we went through we went through it like the majority of us go through it uh, every every year. We went through it together in 2019, and we kind of didn't really talk about our mental issues and our depression and all that stuff. And we would start off jokingly uh, as a joke. We kind of like, oh shit, no, we were both going through it. And we both went through some issues. Um, and so I invite you to listen to that podcast. It's called um, Tales from the Head Pod. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Tales from the Head. And you can also find us on on Twitter at TFTH Pod. And follow our new, um, tells, our, our new uh, podcast distributor called Dead Air Digital, which is something that myself and... Mr. Ryan Cooper from Tales from the Head just put together. It's a brand new like um, network for for podcasts. So I invite you to follow us on Instagram. That is Dead Air uh, Digital. All right, and thank you to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. And I know we've said this several times, but during the offseason, maybe we'll figure out what kind of scarf we can make or even uh, our own unique uniform because it's not a cookie cutter template from Nike and Adidas. If you're looking for a unique, completely custom kit, Edgar SFC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at AcreSFC.com. Thank you as our MLS season is winding down as Quakes fans to the beautiful game network for providing us this platform to continue to talk about Quakes soccer, as well as MLS soccer and other soccer topics. That'll be it from Danny and I today. I look forward to the next podcast. It, it'll be nice to have a break from this team. I like, yeah. you know, I'm never going to break up with the San Jose Earthquakes, but like we need some time apart. We'll talk yeah. about some international soccer next time you hear from me. Have a great day. Later. And as always, go Quakes, kind go. of. Go Quakes. Yeah, <laughs> go Quakes, dude. Still go Quakes. Yeah. <laughs>